Well, good morning. Glad that you are here with us at Brentwood Oaks today. First, I want to start out as a, as a summit group leader of the seniors for these past four years, thanking the parents for allowing us to walk alongside your kids for the past four years. It has been an absolute joy and a pleasure. Uh, but more importantly uh, than that, thanks, I want us to all, as a congregation, express some additional appreciation uh, to James today. James, of course, orchestrated this whole uh, Senior Sunday morning. For years, he has been with them. And seniors, you only know James. You don't know what it's like at other churches. I do, and I'm here to tell you that that is a rare find. Solid gold right there as a youth minister. Thank you. Brother, we as a church are lucky to have you, and I appreciate what you and Ashley do for our kids. Now, I also want to express appreciation for the elders to let me get up here and, and just chat for a few minutes uh, to our seniors. Uh, today, I'm going to speak directly to them just for a few minutes, uh, but hopefully, there will be a word for all of us in the congregation as you listen in to me talking to them. Now, seniors, uh, the order of worship says we're going to talk about how to succeed today. How many of you want me to tell you how to succeed? Anybody? Anybody okay? Maybe a few of you? Okay. Well... I googled how to succeed those words, and 252 million hits came up in 0.8 seconds. There's a lot of advice on, out there on how to succeed. Some of it's pretty good, and others of it like this. Everything is easy when you're cute? <laughs> eh, not so much. Well, when we look at all the different advice that's out there, how to succeed, it's overwhelming. So you can get to the internet and find that. So we're going to scratch that topic for today. And instead, I'm going to tell you what not many people are telling you how to do because I want you to have all the options on the table when you leave here. Today, we're going to talk about this, how to fail. That's right. If you want to leave here and absolutely crash and burn, fly in the airplane of your life, if that's how you want your life to go, I want to give you some secrets to help you get there today. So let's jump right into it. How to fail. Point number one. Next is I want you to assume fair weather. Now I want you to completely ignore what Jesus says in John chapter 16 when he says, In this world you will have trouble. Just ignore that entirely. Don't plan on having any heartache. Don't plan on having any adversity or any failure along the way. Don't plan on any of that. And you will be well on your road to failing. So sometimes we can think that there will be something we get in life that keep us from tragedy and adversity, even though after we live long enough, we find out that that's not the case. So I don't know if you've seen these books before. They're biographies written on the fourth and fifth grade level. Next slide. They're great things. I've read 40 or 50 of these to my kids. And after reading a lot of them, they're real-life people, the best of us, if you will, the best that the humanity has to offer to get one of these biographies written about you. I realized that every single one of these biographies contains some significant tragedy or point of adversity in it. But sometimes we think we can get around it. So let me see. What if we were to have incredible power and wealth? Would we be able to escape 
adversity and tragedy. Maybe at 18 years old, we are crowned queen, and we spend our entire adult lives until we die at age 81 being a queen of one of the most powerful empires in history. That's Queen Victoria right there. But she did not escape tragedy. Halfway through her life, the love of her life, her husband, Prince Albert, died, and she spent the next four decades mourning for him. In fact, she had his clothes laid out every morning in memory of him. Tragedy did not escape her, but maybe, maybe it's just a British thing. Let's look at the American version of power. Ronald Reagan, popular president in the 20th century, but before he met Nancy Davis and married her in 1953, he went through a, a very heartbreaking divorce, had a child in that marriage, and it, it was heartbreaking for him. And then, of course, we know after he was president in 1993, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and spent the last 11 years of his life walking that tragic road at the end of his extraordinary life. Well, what if we could be famous, like maybe the first guy to walk on the moon? Maybe that fame would help us avoid adversity and tragedy. Except before Neil Armstrong walked on the moon in 1969, he had a little girl, a little daughter, and if you've seen the movie First Man, it shows uh, pieces of this. His daughter got a brain tumor, and at three years old, she died. He aged overnight by years, and he never spoke about it for the rest of his life. But I wonder how much pain he carried in his heart because he lost his precious little girl. Well, maybe if we could be smart enough, like this guy, Albert Einstein, we could outsmart the tragedy and adversity that comes in life. But he was a German. He loved Germany. He was also a Jew. And in the 1930s and 1940s, that was a difficult place to be. So the Nazis ran him out of Germany, put out a death warrant on him. He had to flee to the United States and spend the remaining years of his life there. So evidently, intelligence doesn't get us out of it. What if we just stood up and did the right thing? Maybe that would help, like Rosa Parks, who wouldn't move from a seat on a bus in Alabama in 1955. And she went to jail for standing up with what's right, not to mention all the speakless persecution that she suffered throughout her life because of the color of her skin. So, when we look at all this, the best of humanity cannot escape tragedy and adversity. Next, if you see one day you're going to wake up, 18 years old, 28 years old, 38 years old, whatever it is, and you're going to say, that's my life. It's not supposed to be like that. And if you talk to anyone who's lived more than a minute, all of us have these moments. And when tough times come, a lot of times I'll hear folks say, like when we're doing military operations and folks say, like Hurricane Harvey, for instance, and they'll say, these people were extraordinary. They rose to the occasion to deal with whatever tough thing that was put in front of them. However, I find that that's not really true. More often than not, folks don't rise to the occasion. They fall back on their preparation. So, if you want to be a failure, you make sure that you do not study your Bible. You do not pray. You do not 
find a church home as soon as you leave here and go to your new place. You do not surround yourself with Christian people. All that stuff James just told you to do, don't do any of that preparation, and then you'll be well on your road to failure, number one. All right, number two, key to failure, is, next slide, be reckless with your heart. Be reckless with your heart. Do not be discerning at all with who you let in. Now, Blake, come on up here. I asked him to help me with an illustration for a minute. When we hear, because you haven't read your Bible because you're practicing failure, you won't find Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 that says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So there is a way that we can take this, this duct tape here, and this duct tape is going to represent our emotional connection with other people. So we cannot connect with anybody at all, and, and that would be a failure. But we can also go on the other extreme and be not discerning at all with who we connect with. So let's say Blake, Blake goes off to college here, and he meets a new buddy the first week he gets there. And they hang out together all the time. This is your emotional connection to other people, Blake. Are you excited about that? All right, stick your arm out here. It's going to be awesome, duct tape. You ready? Emotional connection. Yeah, look at that. So, about a month into it, Blake realizes this dude wasn't all he was cracked up to be. And so he says, I got to get some distance, man. You ready for this? You ready for this? Okay, all right. Oh, oh this stuck a little harder than I was planning to. Oh, sorry. Oh, there's a lot of hair on that. Okay, so that wasn't good. But then he moves on a few weeks later. Blake meets a girl, and they, and they have a magical six days of dating. Stick your arm out here again. Six days of paradise right there. By the way, all this is hypothetical. You're not going to have time to date. I mean, you're going to a place where everybody dresses the same. They tell you what to do all the time, and you can't leave. Kind of sounds like prison to me. You still want to go? <laughs> oh, he says yes. Okay, I was testing your resolve. You passed. I'll tell my Navy bros that you're, you're still good to go. Okay, so stick your arm out here again. All right, so then the girl decides that she is not worthy to date Blake Benton anymore. So tragically, oh, relationship over again. So as that happens back and forth, some of the tape, this emotional connection, loses its stickiness. And if we're not discerning, we can hurt ourselves in the long term by how we relate to other people. So give Blake a round of applause for enduring some pain this morning. All right. If you want to be a failure, be reckless with your heart. Now, there's another way to be reckless with your heart next. And that is by following this advice that's often said. Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart because it knows the way. And that is really good advice some of the time. And then there's other parts of the time where it is the worst advice ever. The successful people, those people we're not talking about, they, when they get desires in their heart, when they, they decide that we're going to go in a direction, they first consult Scripture to see if it bounces with what God wants them to do. They consult God by praying. They ask Christian mentors. They consult their Christian friends to see if this is really a path that God wants them to go. But if you want to be fa a failure, be reckless with your heart, and just follow it blindly every time without question. Number three, next one, 
is to be a gambler. To be a gambler. The third way to be a big failure is to be a gambler. So you may not be real reckless with your heart. You may not decide that you are going uh, to, to plan for or assume fair weather. You're going to plan for some adversity, but you can still be a failure by being a gambler. So you need to not take Jesus' words at face value when he says in John 10, 10, I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Ignore all that. Go down the path of failure and decide that you're going to be a gambler and gamble with God and gamble with him often. Because when we start to look at this book as rules for ruin rather than a guide for good, then we start gambling. We start going, ah, well, God doesn't know what's best for me. Ah, well, yeah, that that may be just what they needed to do 2,000 years ago. But now, here and now, I want to do my own thing. So I'm going to gamble with God. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to place the bet and see how it goes. And just like the glitter and the fritz that goes along with casinos, it seems exciting at the time, but the odds are always on the house because how else could they stay in business? So when we gamble with, with God, uh, let me give you another an example that, that maybe, maybe help put it in perspective. When my kids were growing up, uh, Dorothy and I, we had fences around our backyards. So what if one day one of my five-year-old daughters, when they were that age, rolled up to me and go, Dad, I'm feeling oppressed today. I go, what, baby girl? Why are you feeling oppressed? That's a big word. Why are you feeling oppressed? He said, Dad, because I go out in the backyard to play, and there's a swing set, and there's a trampoline, and that's all fun. But this fence, this fence is very oppressive. I would like to be able to go out and do what I want. I want to leave the fence and go out and explore the world because you are infringing on my rights. Now, how many of us would think that that would be the silliest thing you've ever heard? Because I could try to reason with her. I said, well, no, no, darling. I'm not trying to make rules for your ruin. I'm trying to make a guide for your good. The fence keeps you from going out into traffic. The fence keeps you from being kidnapped by a stranger. The fence keeps you from wandering off and getting lost. The fence is for your good. So when we, with all our wisdom and knowledge in our own minds, especially when we're young, say, hey, rules for ruin, I ain't doing that. Next slide. We're gambling with God, and what we're actually doing is walking on a ledge. And at any moment, because we're gambling with the guy that wrote the rule book, God, we could fall off. So there are your three ways to failure. Next slide. You see them? I have now given you the recipe to move forward boldly and fail after you leave from here. Anybody else sign up for failure? Y'all ready to go? All right. Well, enough enough. Obviously, I don't want you to fail. In fact, next slide. It is the exact opposite. We collectively in this church family want you to succeed beyond your wildest dreams. We want you to go forth and do great things. Next. That is our wish for you this morning. So as we close uh, for a few minutes here, Next slide. I want to I echo some tremendously important things that James has already said. This church family, it supports you. we got your back. We're behind you as you go out into a big world. And you will always have a home here. 
you'll always have a home here. Now, here's something important about a church building. There's nothing significant at all about the plot of ground that we sit on here right now. Nothing. You can find that in many different places all around the world. There's nothing significant about the wood that these pews are made out of. Nothing special. When these stones were put here many years ago, nothing overly important about the stones and where they came from and where they were chosen. Because church buildings don't make a church. But when you put this place in the context of your memories, many of you, since you were very little, running around here, interacting with people, when you put it in the context of the connection that you have had with many others in this church body, it becomes a very special, special place. There's nothing like the church that sent you after you left from high school. I still go back to Tennessee. I walk in the church building. It's been remodeled multiple times, but it doesn't matter because that's the church that sent me out into the world. And what a blessing it is when I go back there. We overlay that finally in making this a special place with the fact that Jesus says that when we're gathered here today, he is with us in this special place becomes a sacred and holy one that I hope you will never forget. So today, as we close here, you probably won't remember most of what I said this morning, and that's all right. But I hope what we do in the last minute or two as we close today's little, little lesson on how to succeed, how to fail, that you will never forget the next minute or two. So seniors, what I want to ask you to do, and thank you for going back and, and hanging out with your families, please stand, and if you will, we'll, we'll do that right now. You all seniors only, just stand. Stand in the place that you're at. And I want you to do something uh, for me. I want you to look around at the faces in this auditorium. I want you to make eye contact with people in church. I know this is a little awkward, but it's okay. I want you to look back at them and make eye contact. Give them a smile, give them a nod, look around. And look at your physical family that's sitting close to you most likely. And you will see people that have loved you. You have grown up with them. You will see people that are your friends, that are standing. Youth group that's sitting up here. Youth group, turn around, look at them, it's okay that are, you, you have labored with here together, relationships that you have. You will see mentors. You will see elders and their wives and ministers and maybe the people that have offered you a word of encouragement along the way, like our super-Christian Carl McQueen. You will see maybe an elementary school Bible teacher that impacted you greatly. So as you look around today, and I hope you stop for a moment and let time stand still in this place, in this sacred place right now, and drink the moment in like a cool glass of water on a hot Texas day. Because years from now, I want you to remember that you have a family here. You have a place that gives you an anchor to come back to that will sustain you as God's people, as we sustain each other through the years. So Mackenzie, Blake, 
Michaela, Chase, we're proud of you. This church loves you. And we are excited for your future to send you out here. We're always here if you need us. Evan, we're glad you're here. Seth, we're glad you're here. Dino, we're glad you're here. Paul, we love you guys. And we are grateful for you. We are proud of you. And you will go from here and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But we are never far away. We are always here to support you, and you always have a home walking through those doors. Sam, Micah, Connor, Elizabeth, Corey, Jamie, we love you. We love you guys, and we are grateful for the time that we have gotten to spend with you. We are proud of you, and we want you to know that you always have a home here. You are always welcome here, and let us help you anytime we can we're just a phone call and text away james and there's a long list of many others that are here when you need us so y'all have a seat thank you for indulging me for just a moment there i hope that in that little bit of awkward moment that your heart is full right now for the love of your church family never forget the faces that you just saw Never forget them. And never forget the support that sometimes may seem far away, but never really is. We thank God every time we remember you. Now go and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen.